It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other, and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a shit shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their houses for 10 years. No Willie, no Kane, no Stevie, and I know what you're thinking, no bloody point then, but please bear with me because, oh my Jesus Christ, I love club championship. All-Ireland football finalist Nemo Rangers, gone. We have Castlehaven star Michael Hurley coming up on the show. All-Ireland semi-finalist Slock Neil, held in Derry by Coleraine. Replay incoming. Ballanderry, the mighty Ballanderry, gone. Clare champion Six Mile Bridge, gone. Ennis, Clooney Quinn, gone. Tony Kelly doing filthy stuff. Parge Collins playing football in Hurling. It's club championship season and it is absolutely bloody brilliant. I've got Connor Heenahan with me here on the line. And Connor, I'll tell you who loves club championship more than anyone. It's Connor Harrison, Downstar, playing for London team Neasden Gales. Comes home from his own stag day in Ibiza. He tweeted out saying, This is before the weekend. My stag in Ibiza today for five nights. Unfortunately, I have to fly home tomorrow evening and fly back to Ibiza Sunday evening as I have a championship final in London on Sunday. And they say football doesn't rule your life. I'll hardly drink today, bring on Ibiza, he says. He actually came back Saturday night, played the game on Sunday, won the game on Sunday, scored two points himself, won two penalties, knees and gales, intermediate London champions, 2-13, St. Joseph's not 13. Connor, could you <laughs> could you have that sort of commitment for your own club? This uh, this sounds right up your street, Conor. This is what the, this is what the GA is all about. <laughs> to be honest, the Conor Conor still sounds like he got a decent stag out of it. Like he flew out Friday, back to London Saturday, played the game Sunday. He still has tonight and tomorrow night, so he's three <laughs> nights out in the beta. Um, and he's doing well to get a five night stag in the first place in the beta. Geez, I, I wish I got five nights in my stag, <laughs> but uh, I don't think uh, I don't think this is going to start a trend of allowing club man or allowing club players to take. 
five nights out in the middle of the season, especially before a final for Stag. But uh, listen, fair play to him. Sounds like he won two penalties, scored two points, and they won by two goals. So it looks like they wouldn't have won without him. So uh, it worked out for him, but uh, I can't see it setting a trend. Yeah, he's really milking it five nights in Ibiza. He did tweet out on Sunday, he put a picture up with the trophy, the London Intermediate Championship trophy. Back in Ibiza, ladies and gentlemen, no better place to celebrate championship win. Harry Stag, Ibiza. I mean, <laughs> like it is mad. Like he's... I, I, I... I've seen men look happier than, than he did in the picture as well to be honest maybe he was feeling the effects of the previous two days in the beat there three days in the beat there and then actually I just looked under the replies to his tweets as well and uh, he had a few of his teammates tweet him they were having a few beers and he tweeted them back and by time that could be wrong on Twitter but it seemed like it was about three or four in the morning that he retweeted them back saying he wished he was there and I was thinking to myself geez, he probably could find some better things to do in the beat at that time in the morning but uh, he said he'll make up for it when he gets back and I'm sure he will he's an hour ahead there in Ibiza as well so it's even later oh, that's probably why that, yeah that's probably why but he, he's, he's from Glass Drummond and down so it's, it is very interesting I know it myself like playing for Scaries in Dublin where like you, you do start sort of feeling part of the club but he's obviously playing with his, his, his knees and gales crowd in London like to me looking at it going Jesus he's coming back for a London Intermediate Championship it's not his, his own native club but then but then maybe that is the real beauty of it like I see a few downheads that are playing for him Ryan O'Hare scored not four Kieran O'Hare scored the two penalties mm. of Connor Harrison won so maybe like maybe he has sort of created some sort of bond out there I think I think you're right, Jen. I think just from knowing a few, um, I know a few of my mates who have played in even like even for longer terms than just the summer in New York, or even for for a while in London as well. Is that like you quickly kind of you gain that circle of friends and you gain it, it becomes like a club at home. And because of even because there's probably an increased commitment over to have to play for a club because you're not just you're not just driving five minutes to train and it's often you have to get a tube out for like an hour and a half two tubes and you're getting home at all all hours of the night and stuff like that so there's probably like as good of a nearly as good of a bond if if not as good of a bond so like you could understand why why it would mean so much to him and geez, it must if he's flying home from a beat and flying back out in the middle of his stag but this is this is one of the real problems you know with being really talented like you're you're not allowed to go away you're not allowed to have a stag do really you're not allowed <laughs> to be yeah. injured like it's honestly there's a certain there's a, there's a graph here somewhere and if you're if you're good enough you're over the line where you're not injured and you're not away no matter where you are you'll be flown back no matter how injured you are you'll be tried out for 15 minutes like it's it's a real pain in the earth for talented players I wouldn't know really yeah but there's an also well I wouldn't know either but there's also a graph that so he's allowed to do that he's allowed to go to a stag come back in the middle <laughs> of the stag play a match and then go back to a stag Whereas most of us, if you even floated the idea with a manager, it was like, well, you can go, but you're not going to be playing when you come back. You know what I mean? So he's on that stage of the graph where he's that good that he has to be flown back, but he's also allowed to go to a beat in the middle of the season and come back, play a final, and go back out to his tag again. Yeah. Not a bad place to be in, to be fair. I remember uh, one of her changing rooms, we lost a game, and <laughs> some of the boys were excited about going on a stag do the next day, and the manager grabbed everybody around again one of those uh, negative team talks and he wasn't happy about the stag do which wasn't going to affect any games and he just sort of basically sort of putting the <laughs> the stag under a bit of pressure not to go he said I know what I'd rather have at my top table at my wedding a championship medal rather than some memories of a piss up over oh, in Newcastle no. <laughs> <laughs> whereas the boys are thinking can we not yeah, just try well, and do both <laughs> yeah, well, that's all about good when you say it, like in the actual months before the wedding. But do you think he's going to look back on that in 20 years' time and remember, geez, it was great crack and we didn't go on my stag that time? <laughs> and we didn't so win so a championship at the end of it all? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, in more news, though, this Sean Cavanaugh stuff looks to be coming to a bit of a head. 
So obviously he tweeted or he didn't tweet out that picture. That picture circulated. I don't like by all accounts he didn't want that to get to get circulated. It was going around WhatsApp groups. That picture of his bruised and cut face. Yeah. Sort of like the Stephen Ward thing, I suppose. Probably, maybe it needs to learn up on how WhatsApp works. People share these things very quickly. But um, so Tyrone have come out and uh, they've deemed Sean Cavanaugh's injury to be accidental in a statement. They said Tyrone GA has now completed its investigation into the incident during the course of the Senior Football Championship, Eden Dork v Moy, in which Sean Cavanaugh incurred a serious head injury. The Tyrone Competitions Control Committee (CCC) on request considered the referee's report of the game and viewed a video recording of the incident in which Sean was injured the CCC was satisfied that the referee was well positioned in clear view of the incident and adjudicated on that matter appropriately Tyrone GA takes the opportunity again to wish its former senior football team captain Sean Kavanagh a speedy recovery from the injury that he sustained like I spoke to Sean last night actually and he still hasn't seen this video but obviously Tyrone have um, he's, he, he seemed to reckon that he was sort of promised he would see it last week but still hasn't been sent on the video but by all accounts it's accidental this this clash that happened the Eden Dork game and like this is sort of in response to Eden Dork who came out first with a very strong statement of their own probably and rightly so getting pissed off at some of the coverage that was going around around their team especially they won the game Eden Dork at Malachi's GAC this is their statement would firstly like to take this opportunity to wish Sean Cavan a speedy recovery um, I'm just going to skim through it here we as a club would like to advise that we have been deeply disappointed by the aspersions cast upon our players and club in respect to this incident it is quite clear that a blind trial by media has occurred in relation to this matter causing the individual player and the club a great deal of vexation it should be noted that this was a collision that occurred during the course of play and in plain view of the referee and match officials whilst the ball was in play. No sanction or disciplinary action ensued at that time. Eden Dork would like to state firmly that it is the opinion of the club and individual player that this was an accidental and unfortunate collision and we hold any suggestion to the contrary as being defamatory. The club wishes to add that they are gravely disappointed by any media publication linking this incident to an overarching suggestion of an endemic problem of violence in Tyrone. The club warns that the individual player and club are taking legal advice in respect of comments published on social media inferring and expressly stating that this was a deliberate act. Like the statements, it's much longer than that, so that's just sort of the the main parts. They're seeking legal advice and yeah. to be honest, like if especially if this video does sort of prove and the referee saw it and judged on it at the time, if, if it was accidental then it is like it's a player and a club's reputation here that are being sort of dragged through the mud and that is that is pretty libelous and I don't personally know I know I'm from Ulster but I don't like the narrative that does come out when someone is seen fighting in Tyrone or anywhere in the north, like you, you see it everywhere, like you know, Nordies are a different breed, or what do you expect? Or you know, you know, they've done. Not- I saw one last night. They've done nothing good for the game in football or off the ball. Jesus, <laughs> okay. Um, you know, so some of it is virginal, like it's more than insulting sometimes. But um, especially with this crowd in Dork, I mean, now suddenly they're being tarnished with all of Tyrone fighting and all the fights going around in Derry, and that is sort of what yeah. does bring me back to it because I think. Jesus, we can help ourselves out a lot more by not beating the head off each other every time you know there's a game. And like I'm sitting around Saturday night, I get a message through. It's another video. It's another fight. It's another game in Derry. It's Green Lafie ball on the screen, and there's an umpire pushed over after yeah. the game. The referee is jumped straight into by a spectator and pushed over to the ground, and they all just sort of walk off the pitch. Like you know, it's 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 so normal now, and I'm yeah. I'm all for competitiveness, but like this is yeah. just too much. 
And that incident as well, the, the video that I saw, the incident that they, was it the referee that was pushed over? Yeah, eventually. Like that seemed to happen after, it seemed to happen after everything had calmed down. And yeah. the guy just kind of ran, ran out from nowhere and knocked him down. But like, just on relation into, um, into the Moy Eden Dork incident in particular, I mean, everyone, when, when everyone kind of got the, you know, everyone got the message, there was six red cards, there was 20 yellow cards, so it was just assumed yeah. that it was just this, it must have been, you know, completely out of control. Whereas accounts have come out since, just that because there was a couple of incidents, the referee was maybe right to, you know, lay down the law. And in laying down the law, he issued out 20 yellow. The most, the six red cards were all. But I, I suppose what what the, the problem was with that, like, so like Sean Cavan looking for the video, and I'm I assume he wants to see the video because he was concussed and he doesn't know what happened, so he'd like to see it for himself. And did Moy themselves as a club not say when contacted that the incident was open to interpretation? And this was after Eden Dork had kind of come out in defence, which they were right to do because, as I said, everybody kind of drawn the conclusion that it was completely dirty and because of the state of Sean Cavanaugh's face that that must have been deliberate. So as well as that as well, like Moy saying that the incident was open to interpretation, there was like rightly or wrongly most people's opinions would have been affected by a whatsapp message like whatsapp voice message that was doing the rounds that suggested it was intentional as well so um you can't take that whatsapp voice message as a fact obviously but it, it did contribute to the kind of narrative around that particular game and maybe suggested that it wasn't completely black and white but like you have to take the Toronto County Board in their word. They've said that they've reviewed the video and it was completely accidental. And on the back of that, even darker, are dead right to kind of come out and, and defend themselves, you know? But um, it's kind of what you were saying there, Conan, about kind of the interpretation of Northern football and Ulster football. Like, I completely agree. Like, these these things happen. These things happen everywhere. And it does seem this, uh, it does seem Ulster football and maybe even Toronto football is getting the kind of raw end of the stick. But, like, anyone that read, there was an article that Dermot Crowe uh, wrote in the Sunday Independent yesterday. And it was about kind of a history of some of the, some of the violent incidents back in Toronto. And it was like, it was really stark read like I was aware of some of them but I wasn't aware of all of them and it made for some some really stark reading and it was a, it was like it was particularly in in relation to like somebody died as a result of fan violence mm. at a throne minor match back in 1977 and the article goes on to list uh, like any amount of incidents that happened in in throne in like throne specifically and some of them are terrible and like while you have to acknowledge that you know these incidents do happen everywhere i don't think the way to kind of go about solving it is saying when the finger when the finger is pointed at you the, yeah. the solution i don't think is to say oh well this happens everywhere it's to acknowledge that you have a problem first and yeah. then to try and try and sort that out you know that kind of way because it does happen everywhere but god anyone reading that article yesterday would have thought jesus like Tyrone definitely has a problem everywhere it does but you can't argue with the with the facts that are being presented here. Yeah, and I I absolutely agree because like you know as much as I don't like that sort of narrative or like you know everybody in Ulster being painted with this brush, I do and I have said last week as well that we would help ourselves a lot more by you know stop continuously pointing in the face off each other every time there's a game or you know yeah. I'm not saying it's happening in every game but it is happening and. Like I said, like I don't like that competitive, like or sorry, I'm all for that competitiveness, and I don't mind, you know, a bit of argy bargy and stuff like that. And I do think that this is embedded too much in the culture to weed it out completely. Like it's almost like a common of age thing now, you know, for a team when you have to finally stand up to being pushed around and you know fight yeah. back sometimes yeah. physically. That is like that is sort of a real red letter day sometimes, you know, for teams to do that. But 
this stuff is just far too much like fans coming in like it loses complete control and the more that we're seeing videos of this like we got that video sent to us the one of Greenlock and Ball on the screen got sent to us four times from four different people like you know so like this yeah. is spreading like wildfire and then people are saying get this to the media because it'll go even bigger and it's 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 madness like and the more that people are seeing that the more normalised that this is becoming that people can run onto the pitch and have their say with a referee a club referee well listen well especially when nothing has been nothing or very little has been done about it you know yeah um, because I know what you mean I know exactly what you mean there is in like um, it's a coming of age thing and you, you will hear senior inter-county teams refer to that like how often have you heard the Battle of Oma referred to by Dublin as the day that they came of age the yeah. day that they weren't being pushed around the day that they were able to live up to this Tyrone team who had such a reputation of being the manliest team in GA and they went up to Oma and they stood up for themselves and like both teams were absolutely ridiculous because it happened right beside the side I, I, I mean, there's one thing to stand up to not being pushed around and like if you go to like GA games around the country I would say club games county games everything you will see some sort of a Argy bargy might only be like a minor thing, but you'll see it fairly regularly. But there's one thing like that happening, and kind of players sort of, you know standing up for themselves, and you know like if they see a teammate in trouble going into help, and like they're kind of trying to deal with that when when the referees have a prerogative to deal with the third man in. But that's one thing. But then when you see when supporters or officials, even officials, think they have a right to get involved, it just that that that's that's where that's where the line should be drawn. But like. What, like what's been done to combat is like in that same Sunday Independent article that I talked about earlier on um, Pat McCartney used to be a county chairman in Tyrone and he was saying that fines is not the way to go and that, that's how that's how clubs are being dealt with if you suspend a team for particularly grievous offences and there there've been there's been a few in recent weeks that would probably you know warrant a spe- like a close enough to a suspension that that's probably the only way to go because if if you if you are at that extreme with your punishment well then they'll absolutely think about not doing it again and I know like fine fines the club but not in the same way um, that reputationally they'll be hit by, by being suspended from competition for a particular amount of time and I, I think they're going to have to start looking at that if, if this sort of thing is going to, going to become as regular as it seems to be in the last few weeks yeah, and we'll, we'll move it on. Like, we've talked about this enough. And the sad thing is, we're definitely yeah, going to be talking yeah, about it much. again. Like, yeah, we're, we're going to be talking about, about it again oh. all the way up to March, probably, until the, the club championship is over. But um, you mentioned the Sunday Independent. There was a report in the Sunday Independent this week that Mike Solon is in line for the Mayo job. We know that, but Enda McGinley is on his ticket. So if the Mayo under 20 manager gets the Mayo senior job, then the Sunday Independent are saying that Tyrone legend McGinley will be on his backroom team. Obviously, won three. All Ireland's with Tyrone as a player. Um, he's a, obviously a real legend around Tyrone. I'm not sure what he's done much as a coach, but obviously he's got a lot of experience he can bring, and probably can bring good experience with how to transition from being a successful underage team to being a successful senior team. You know, if that's sort of part of Mike Solon's philosophy, looking to bring some of the younger boys through, which we all know that Mayo need. How do you feel about that? Is that a, is that a partnership that excites you out in Mayo? Yeah, I think so. When you when you hear somebody of the caliber of, of Enda McGinley, you know, being linked with the job, it's it's promising, especially because, like Mike Solon, though he's had experience with the under twenties, his experience as a senior manager would be would be fairly limited. So to have have, have somebody who's with All Ireland winning experience involved would be would be definitely promising. But just you mentioned kind of Enda McGinley's experience there as, as a player, but I know he's been involved in in the international rules um, as a physio. As well, so um, just just to, like while it mightn't be as a selector and like that to have that to have that sort sort of experience as well, well, 
will definitely be a benefit. So it, it seems like he like Barry, or it seems like Mike is, or Mike Sullivan will be kind of compiling a fairly decent um, background to him if he does get the job because he'll have, um, it, well, no doubt his brother Barry, who has been involved mm. in as a strength and conditioning coach for the last few years, will be involved too. So, um, so yeah, no, it's, it's 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 still kind of up in the air, you know, down in Mayo whether it'll be whether it be Mike Solon or Jim Torrin um, like if it is to be Mike Solon to hear those sorts of names links linked with the linked with, as part of his ticket is um, is encouraging anyway yeah yeah the article also says that it's all understood that a former high profile Mayo footballer would be part of his management team as well so like that that is interesting and it's it's good that he started going that route. I think it just sort of it bridges the gap a bit more to the players and to the dressing room that was there before. Who who was on Horan's ticket before? Like who was in his management team? Uh, yeah, well, well, like over various different stages. So James Horan would have been there for four years. So Donny Buckley would have been there, I think, since uh, 2013. And before him, Keane O'Neill was involved. So Keane O'Neill went to Kerry, then he's gone on to Kildare since. Then uh, you would have had um, Peter Burke from my own club. He only you know, stepped down from that up when, when uh, at the end of last year, along with Tony McEntee and Tony Buckley, actually. But like Kieran Shannon, is a sports psychologist, mm. um, Ed Cotton, who would have been a skills and development coach, and then you would have Barry Stone as well, as well as um, Tom Prendergast, who's been a kind of a close confidant of James Horn for a number of years. So, like, I think if, if James Horn does back in obviously you can't kind of include some of the names of them in there already but I, I would be fairly sure having with him having experience of the setup he knows of the value of a kind of a of a good backroom team so I like whoever he does have um, if he does get the job I, I, I'd say it would be would be fairly top notch I mean there's there's fairly wild rumours that uh, he'd have um, that he'd have Peter Canavan on board, but they haven't been in any way substantiated whatsoever. I'd say people are just linking the kind of Sky Sports connection and putting two and two together and making five. But uh, I think if, if James Horn was to was to get the gig, I'd say he'd have a, he'd have a fairly impressive backroom team in place as well. Well, there is previous with that with Roy Keane and Martin O'Neill striking up a famous relationship <laughs> on ITV and now managing the Ireland team. God love us all. But um, it's, it is interesting because Westport obviously lost by a point to Brayfay at the weekend. But um, that's sort of, I think it sort of sets the the path clear now for a decision to be made a bit more imminently. Yeah, well, well, I suppose that like uh, I think Westport no more than uh, no more than my own club catch them up. I have one league game left, but they're promoted already. Um, but uh, yeah, but that'll be James Horn's kind of commitment over for uh, mostly over for the season. But um, I actually watched that game at the weekend, and and Brave and Westport probably should be in a semi final. Um, Bravey, Bravey dominated the first half, um, but then in the second half, Lee Keaton kind of came into it, and he he marked uh, Matthew Ruan. He'd be be uh, would have been Mayo under twenty one and. 2016 really kind of bright future ahead of him he had a really good first half but Lee Keegan went on him and Lee Keegan does what Lee Keegan does and he had a kind of marked him out of him within 15 minutes Matthew Rowan was sent off after getting the black card <laughs> and then Westport had loads of chances uh, they missed him and then Rob Henley kicked up to stepped up to kick a monster free I think it was his fourth of the day and Briffy kind of uh, despite being down to four, 14 men kind of held Westport off in, in injury time went by, went through by a point so uh, big win for them but Westport will definitely be kicking themselves um, this week Great stuff Connor. next up we're going to talk to Michael Hurley of Castlehaven Is the little dink fist pass from a crowded area into that 
D were at home I wear Bernard I've talked to Bernard about Bernard's very patient but this little dink ball you know the one in a crowded area where it's a fist pass the weight is taken over hits the ground and it bounces into a fella's chest and there's consternation then in and around the D and in and around that area watch for this in the semis in the final do you know the one I'm talking about that little fisted ball that's just bound in a, in a crowded area but it gets to the, the yeah, body you, you have said it three times it's in around but you're looking at me you're looking <laughs> well, at me with, a crowded area isn't you're it? looking at me with such a confused <laughs> a confused head in you it's like I was talking about you trying to get a point in coppers or something there in a crowded area yeah watch for it Michael Hurley what a win for Castlehaven at the weekend all Ireland finals Nemo Rangers gone from the Cork Senior Football Championship at the quarter final stages I mean Harry Redknapp has done some job with you boys yeah look um, <laughs> absolutely amazing win I suppose um, I don't think anyone I suppose outside of our own camp expected it um, yeah, as you said I think Harry Redknapp is getting a, a, lot, a lot of credit for for the win yesterday, I think he was delighted when he seen the scoreline. <laughs> did he? Did he bring in any old, uh, any old, the old boys to help you over the line? Jermaine Defoe, Peter Crouch, any of those boys? Um, no, I suppose he, he quoted a lot of them, um, but no, we, we didn't get, um, we didn't get to see any of them. I suppose. Um, I know, but in fairness, Harry, he's sure he's he's um, an exceptional manager, and I suppose. A lot of the things he said, I suppose, was <clears throat> a lot of different sports, soccer and football. Um, a lot of the, the traits carry over, I suppose. Um, teamwork, just personalities on the pitch, leaders. Um, so, yeah, look, he, he was a great addition over the summer, in fairness. So, like, I'll move off this very quickly because Liam Collins will start to get a bit irate listening to it. But uh, was he useful for you, like, when he was in? Did he have a, a good bit to say? Um, no, he did, as I said. Um He's such a such a a good manager, um, and the experience he has was was just exceptional. Um, and just some of the stuff he said to us, just just stick to us. Uh, as I said about leadership, teamwork, um, and just such a great fellow to have around. Um, just admirable. And as I said, a lot of stuff he said, just uh, stick to us. And um, we used a lot of it yesterday in the game. Thank God. Yeah, and tell me what the hell happened in the game yesterday? Not three to not not at half time. You had the wind. I mean, God Almighty, it almost felt like I was back home with the glorious land of Ulster, where all the defences are tight and the goalkeepers are bored. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I actually, um, it's interesting enough. I was actually reading through Twitter there last night, um, just seen a few tweets about the game and stuff. And I think I read one comment. Um, there was actually it related back to Ulster football again, but. <laughs> To be honest with you, in the game, it, it was anything but. Um, I suppose we went a little, a little bit more defensive than our previous games because we knew the attacking threat that Nemo had. But it was actually just a tale of just very bad scoring. Mm. Um, I think we they had nine wides in the first half and we had eight. Um, so that just that tells its own story. Um, I suppose it was unlike Nemo. Um, but I suppose we were we were a bit. Um, we we could have been ahead a bit more half time, but saying that we were likely to be three points up, I suppose. Uh, but yeah, hold, holding Nemo scoreless in a half, I suppose, is probably unheard of in the last number of years. But we're well, delighted. Well, that's it. I was interested to know sort of what you were like at half time. Like, were you a bit worried that you know with the wind you were three points up just and could have been more, or were you happy that you managed to keep them scoreless as you said? Um. A, a bit both, I suppose. We were a small bit worried that we didn't uh, push on. Um, I suppose myself, I missed a goal chance. I think five, five or ten minutes in, I, sh- I should have put it away. Um, and I suppose we were a bit careless with the ball. We had, we we had most of the possession, but we felt we should have been more than three points up. But 
we were also looking positive. Yeah, as I said, when, when we kept Nemo scoreless, we I suppose we, we weren't cocky, but we were confident that we we kind of had him. We had him on the edge when we had kept him scoreless for the first half. Yeah, and it's it's interesting your your story there. Five, five years ago, you came off the bench and scored one one to beat Nemo in the first round. Yesterday, you scored one one to beat them in the in the quarter final. Did you did you notice that yourself? Uh, I did yeah that was, it was actually my championship debut debut was, <laughs> was against Nemo themselves um, I suppose uh, look it's great to, to play against a team like Nemo um, any time Castellavon have come up against them it, they've just been cracking games um, I suppose two attacking two attacking teams um, which I suppose as you mentioned look it's, it, it's good to get in the score sheet and I suppose five years ago I think it was my brother Brian who set me up for the 1-1 to be honest I, I didn't do a whole pile <laughs> and again the same yesterday the, the work was done I was just at the right place at the right time really Your goal sounded like it did come at the right time though in the second half um, It did yeah yeah. Um, I think it was just a few minutes into the second half um, and it was something we mentioned at half time um, I think nearly every team probably mentioned at half time the next 10 minutes are crucial um, we knew if we could just tack on a few more scores they were in big bother um, and I suppose a goal was just perfect I mean the goal just it kills the life out of a team so yeah came at the perfect time thank God Was there was there a bit of bite going into this game Michael because I know he's drew in 2015 and obviously they went on and won it but you boys were a bit annoyed at a, a late point from Mark Collins wasn't given so you could have won that game at the time yeah, exactly. It was it was something we referenced, uh, I suppose, during the week and even in dress room um, before the game. Um, I think in 2015, a lot of our, I suppose, bigger players, um, the likes of Brian, Mark Collins, Damien Clan, um, I suppose, didn't perform to the potential that they expected of themselves. Um, our manager Liam mentioned that he said it straight out. Um, that we, we didn't perform in 2015 so yeah as you said there, there was a bit of bite there um, we wanted revenge albeit three years later I suppose but we haven't played them since um, so yeah certainly look it was I suppose definitely a bit of bite and look it was nice to get one over Nemo I suppose Is this the sort of one though where you start thinking like listen we've beaten Nemo Rangers the Monster Champions like sky's the limit here? Um, no no definitely not um, Are you just saying definitely not? I suppose <laughs> Uh, no, no, I honestly mean it. Um, I think, I suppose, before the game, everyone outside the camp gave us no chance. After the game, everyone outside the camp is going to expect us, as you said, that the sky is the limit. Um, <clears throat> but I, I, I say this honestly, our the group of players we have and the management are we're a grounded, a grounded bunch of people, um, and we won't get too excited. Look, a great win against Nemo side who have been very successful but it's only a quarter final win at the end of the day um, if you look at four teams less than the championship they're every bit as good as Nemo if not better so no we won't get too excited don't worry yeah You're, like your own path is always sort of intriguing like is it true that you played senior championship of Cork before you even played a league game with them uh, that's right yeah yeah that's very true um, <laughs> thrown into the deep end a bit of a surprise to myself I suppose um, it was 2016 two years ago um, I was only a 31 player um, we went on a great run under 31 we won the Munster made an All-Ireland final unlucky to lose out to Mayo um, and I suppose as the year went on I, I was just gathering confidence I found myself playing very well um, all of a sudden after the All-Ireland final I was called up to the seniors um, 
as you said, having played no league, um, and all of a sudden I, I'm thrown into the championship team. So, yeah, it was a bit of a surprise myself. But um, look, I, I'm not kind of the only one. I suppose everyone has their own story. But yeah, look, it, it's interesting enough. Yeah, and you're like it's not like you're coming from from bad stock. So you're the youngest of four brothers, is that right? Brian, Shane, and Stephen. I believe that the Shane and Stephen are still playing junior. Uh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, Shane is the oldest. Uh, Shane actually played yesterday. He was wing forward, number ten. Uh, everyone in the club is saying he, he's like a fine wine. He's getting better with age. He's, <laughs> he's thirty-five now at the moment. <clears throat> um, and it's actually interesting when we won the counties in two thousand twelve and thirteen. Shane wasn't getting much of a look in, um, and I'd say he was he was nearly looking to, to nearly pack it up. But in fairness, to him, he never gave it up, and he's as I said, he's he's having an exceptional exceptional year this year. Um, Stephen, I suppose God bless him, has had probably runs in a family. Has had a lot of um, injuries the past few years. He actually got uh, hip operations. Uh, good few years back now and they've kind of caught up with him so yeah he's, he's only kind of junior now but a fellow who had a lot of talent but didn't I suppose fulfil it um, and yeah I suppose Brian sure he's look uh, the only word I can say with him really is it, it's good to see him back playing um, I think fellas probably look at his past a bit too much now I, you can't really expect too much about him um, but as I said it's I'm just delighted to see him back on the field Um He's a player who probably shouldn't even be back playing. He probably should be retired, but that just sums up the person he is, really. Yeah, I saw he's, I saw he's come back on Twitter being compared to Tiger Woods, but when you look at what Brian's been through, it's like Tiger <laughs> Woods' comeback was almost as good as Brian Hurley's. Exactly, yeah. I actually seen that myself. No, I had a good old chuckle at it. Um, <laughs> he must be some sort of inspiration for you, though, like watching him and all the stuff he's come through. He is, yeah, he is. And um, he's, he's taught me a lot of lessons that that have kind of made me as a person and a player today really I suppose um, having someone like him <clears throat> there is just exceptional um, even, I think he was just when we were younger he was the person who dragged me off the couch I suppose when, when I play, wanted to play FIFA he wanted to go and kick ball so um, yeah he's definitely a massive inspiration to me I was just going to ask about that dynamic especially with you being the youngest with the, with the three older brothers I mean I take it that toughens you up uh, it did, yeah, yeah. I suppose I was, I was always the the smallest of the four. So if there was any fights at home, I'd say I I was the one to kind of run away. I'd say because I I wouldn't have, <laughs> I wouldn't be very competitive in that age. But um, certainly Brian's, uh, I suppose to describe him, he's a a tough individual and he he doesn't like losing. So he's um, he'll always he'll always tough people up around him really because he he's just a tough young really. Yeah, yeah. Ever any infamous run-ins with any of them? Um, we did, we did. Yeah, <clears throat> uh, plenty over the years. As, as I said, I I wasn't involved in much there, but um, the parents had awful hassle with us. When we were younger, I'd say it, it was mostly over stupid stuff. Um, probably who wanted a PlayStation control or who wanted a remote control. But yeah, there, there were plenty of run-ins when we were younger. In fact. <laughs> Still is, I suppose. <laughs> and what, like, what would that dynamic be? You know, I'm always interested in brothers playing on the on the football pitch. Like, would you sort of look out for each other a bit more, or would you have a bit more arguments than maybe other teammates on the football pitch together? No, no. Um, it's 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 interesting, and it's it's probably hard to kind of believe or or imagine. It's it's totally different once you kind of cross the white line on the football field. 
Um, I always say to people, um, I'd fight with, not, I wouldn't say fight, but you know, we wouldn't, um, we mightn't get on as well as we, as brothers should maybe sometimes, but when it, when it crosses the white line, it's, it's like the whole team, you're always there for each other. Mm. If there's a bit of a, a scrap or anything on the football field, your brothers are the first people to back you up. Um, and that's no different with my brothers. Um, just, I suppose, just from growing up with them, just so close, and as I said, they're, they're the first people to back you up on the football field. So what, you, you start the fights and then you let Brian and Shane finish them off for you? Yeah, Brian is usually the people to finish them off. Now in fairness, he's, he's the biggest fella. I'd, I'd, um, I'd let him do the job there. I'd say most fellas are scared of him, to be honest. <laughs> and uh, what was it like growing up in, was it around the harbour in Union Hall that you grew up, Michael? It was the harbour. Um, our, our house is literally 30 yards from um, a pier. It has about 20 trawlers. Um, the beach is only 100 yards away um, but when we used to be playing when we were younger it was out in the pier the pier is massive all together we kind of used to use it as a an old football pitch and the the, the parents used to be killing us because we used to use the the house as our goal post obviously there was no goal post around in um, so the two top windows it's Brian's uh, bedroom window and Stephen's bedroom window they were two goal posts and um they used to be balls flying between him and the father he used to have to paint the house every year and he used to go mad <laughs> I saw a great quote I think it was from Brian it was uh, growing up in, in Union Hall it got him used to keeping or keeping mind of his possession anyway what, what sort of area yeah. was it? Um, it's it's uh, it's just a small little fishing area um, but the, the village we're in Union Hall it, it's such a small village Um everyone knows everyone there, there's not a stranger around um, even from the fishing there a lot of people come in from from other countries and stuff to, to fish in the boats and just very friendly it's such a friendly um, community and I suppose as, as you related to Brian um, it's 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 just everyone everyone's very kind to each other and we always remember where we're from really yeah and uh... <laughs> Tell me, like, it must be weird for you like getting dropped into the Cork Senior Panel in 2016. But I mean, you're probably far too used to it now. The the controversy, you know, when Cork go out, it seems like Cork can't lose a game without some sort of a shitstorm and inquiry and Tomas Vichy talking about it on the Sunday game. How have you found all that? You know, just getting dropped into this. Yeah, I suppose since I've been there, that that has been there. I suppose I haven't really mm. seen the I suppose the better days, mm. as fellas say. Um, but yeah, look, it's hard. I think a lot of the criticism uh, we're probably not fulfilling our potential at all. At all, fair enough to say. But um, it's a lot of it is is undue, I suppose. Um, fellas don't go out to lose a game. Fellas don't go out to to play poorly. Um, as I say every day, we go out. We remember where we're from, um, our community, and it's, it's more importantly, uh, was not more importantly, but our county as well. Um, we don't go out to lose a game fair enough we, we don't fulfil our potential but uh, we're doing our best so yeah it's hard to take but look um, it's just stuff you have to kind of pass by and just take no notice of really Do you think sometimes there's maybe like I think I get this in Derry or we get this in Derry we're a Division 4 team now but you're sort of living off good teams in the past and people expect you to be you know better and competing for Ulsters is there a bit of a inflated expectation with Cork do you find because of it not been that long ago since you won in All-Ireland? 
Um, yeah, maybe that's part of it, I suppose. It, it certainly is. Um, but if you look at it, there's, there's not many of them players left. Um, I think more of it is probably success at underage level, uh, maybe under 21. Mm. Um, when people see, I suppose, Cork winning Munsters under 21 and the few All-Irelands they've won in the past whatever decade, um, they automatically presume that that's going to relate to senior success. Um, obviously, we we've learned that um, it doesn't but I think people just presume that um, but it, it's a hard transition it's a massive step up from beyond to senior so um, I think it's probably false that people do presume that but yeah look I suppose I, I can see certainly where they're coming from yeah. uh, to presume that and like is there what would you be sort of thinking for next year now like is, is there is there a monster championship in Cork you know is there a division 2 title in Cork um, certainly yeah, yeah there's like was everyone sick of saying it there is great potential in Cork um, I think it's we're, we're, we're kind of rebuilding I suppose the world I could use um, a lot of younger faces in there especially last year um, when Ronan came on board he was well, Sean Hayes with him who was the under 21 manager um, and Sean would have been under 21 for three or four years maybe so he knew all the, the under 21 I suppose potential players um, so they brought in a lot of young fellas um, so I suppose the morning he was rebuilding hmm. um, but yeah look there's there's definitely as you mentioned uh, a Division 2 I suppose is probably our first priority but um, one step further down the line um, but yeah look we're just looking to progress really more than anything I think Ronan Tardis, uh he just needs to be given a chance uh, fellas in Cork are very quick to to judge I suppose on managers first um their first seasons I mean managers have to be given a chance two three years and then I suppose they can be judged in more yeah yeah no I agree with that and tell me now what's the what's the schedule like with Castlehaven now over the next week or two uh, we're playing in two weeks time I think it'll probably be the Sunday evening um, double header I'd say in Parky Ring so uh, I'd say this week will be light enough training um, I'm actually up in Carlo in college myself so I, I kind of do my own thing during the week and I'll be back down on Friday night with the lads training Brilliant so you can miss the yoga um, sessions and the video sessions and all the rest Yeah we, we, we usually keep our video sessions till Friday night so anyone who's being slated won't really won't really miss it so <laughs> unfortunately you'll have to be there for that um, which I suppose as I said this week is kind of more unwinding we're covering the body and I suppose next week um Friday night Sunday morning we'll look at the video and, and that's where we'll learn and, and probably become a better team again hopefully Have you seen much of the the violence or I say violence but oh, what is violence and much of the violence going on up in uh, Ulster and you know, some of the fights that are coming uh, is it something that you're not used to yourself? Um, I did I did see you know, I saw Twitter, Twitter's a great place yeah. to see them so I, I think nearly everyone sees them these days you can't really get away with it Um. I wouldn't say it's, it's unknown to us uh, there's there's plenty of fights and games down here don't worry yeah. um, but yeah look I suppose it's the thing in Gaelic football it's, it's probably getting worse um, it, it's not great to see in fairness I've seen the, the I don't know if you've seen it but it was the West Cork Junior Final here um, two weeks ago I think that was as bad as any fight in the north or wherever anywhere in the country Um but it's it's hard to put a finger on. I suppose a lot of people are blaming 
I suppose the kind of rules and who's allowed onto the pitch. Um, other people are probably blaming the referee and all that, but it's it, it's hard to know where this is coming from. But it's certainly something in the GA that's I, I've seen in the last few years and few weeks that's getting worse, and it'll probably have to be um, it'll probably have to be looked at. I suppose. Yeah. Well, here, Michael. Thanks very much for your time and all the best for the club championship. No matter. Thanks very much. I've had fellas follow me and not just Cork lads you know what I mean mm. and, uh, it happens it happens yeah. and, and it does happen yeah. but I'll tell you one thing it's a lonely spot and the best thing you can do is keep moving and I thought Connolly yeah. looked to be trying to do yeah. that the last yeah. time the camera show it doesn't look great yeah there was um, maybe they could say it was theatrical or whatever but like, the reality is that there was contact and um, I wasn't trying to win a penalty I was trying to go out and win the ball you know actually it's funny your man Conan what's your name on, the, on your programme like I, I was wondering if he had the same match as me. He was kind of making out Terry, but unlucky to lose. Like, this Peter Lee saga has probably dragged on long enough, but I did find it interesting watching it unfold over the last few weeks on one side you have girls who left the panel and a bit of a backlash that they got for going through the national media and some of the words that they used on the other side you have the manager Peter Leahy some people suggesting all his wrongdoings now when you have black and white you have more reasonable more rational people coming in the middle saying that the truth must be in there somewhere it must be grey and off the back of that they will conclude that some women have done wrong but Peter Leahy also must have done wrong so the suggestion or the narrative the sort of came out of that was that Peter Leahy is just a bad manager and that sort of started becoming accepted and I thought that was a bit harsh because very few of us in the media have been managed by Peter Leahy yes we've spoken to people who have been managed by him but I thought it was important to get one more one more tale I suppose of his or one more account of his management skills and it comes in the form of Laura Newman who played under him in Westmeath in 2010 and 2011 Laura has played for Westmeath for 8 or 9 years at this stage Peter Leahy comes in she loses her place under Peter Leahy but she still thinks he's a great manager they go from almost being relegated to junior to almost sorry to winning the All-Ireland Intermediate Final and I just think Laura's piece here is a very good one so Laura you were managed by Peter Leahy for two years uh, in Westmeath 2010 and 2011 am I right in saying can you just sort of paint a picture of what it was like as a Westmeath footballer back then yeah so um, probably a bit of background is that in 2009 we were in a relegation to go down junior beginning of 2009 Um, and we came through that anyway and uh, then Peter came in in 2010. Actually, I was just looking back at a few um, fixtures from 2010. The first, our first, very first fixture was a challenge match against Cavan. Um, and we were beaten by nearly 30 points, I think, out in on the Gore. It was home for us. And then, so that's early 2010, obviously, then late 2011, we beat Cavan by points and then the All-Ireland. So that's probably, you know, a good indication of how far we came in two years with Peter. And um, yeah, so in in 2010, he just came in and like he just kind of changed everything that we had known before. You know, he brought in 
uh, free gyms, um, meals after training, kind of unheard of stuff for us anyway. Um, back then, we kind of, you know, we did, we, it was just things that we just didn't do. Um, we had, you know, we, the calendar done out for the whole year, new, and every challenge match was, every training session was going to be, you know, it was, it was such a professional setup. And, uh, you know, that's, I think, what changed our fortunes. You know, we kind of started to believe in something. And, um, you know, everyone was taking us a bit more seriously. We were far fitter. So, and I think, you know, a lot of his input was, was why we got there. And like so, obviously he came in. It must have meant business by sorting all this stuff out. Did he have a chat with you? Did he set any goals long term for you or anything like that as a team? Well, um, yeah, um, he in twenty ten we were out training in Harbourfield. We usually trained in in uh, Mullingar. He got us all around. And he said, "Girls, you know, I'm telling you, we're going to win in All Ireland." And you know, like I said, in 2009 we had been in the relegation to go down junior. We were, we were looking at each other, going, "Yeah, is is he for real? Like, we're you know, we're not going to win in All Ireland, obviously." And uh, yeah, we didn't believe it. That's no doubt about it. We definitely like we're kind of laughing to ourselves, going, this, "No, like that's lovely, but we're not going to win in All Ireland." And just like as the months went on, we never did much. Now in 2010, we. Um, we didn't get out of the group. Uh, we didn't. We we're still in Division Four, but you know, you had the year there to kind of instill a bit of, I suppose, belief in us and get our fitness levels up. Our football, our our, our tactics, our football and style. You a year there to get that in, in gear. And 2011, then everything just took off. We'd won everything that year, um, and uh, you know, because I think our attitudes had changed over the course of 2010 you know that even though we didn't get kind of get anywhere um, you know we knew that it was possible to push on the following year and we did exactly that and I think his belief his tactics his way of working with everyone um, I think that was the biggest factor in it all and like what what was his relationship like with you or you know, as a player like how did you find working under him yeah, um, I was in the sure 2011. I, to be honest, I didn't play much in 2010 and 2011. Um, I played more in 2010, but in 2011 I played the league and I played maybe a couple of minutes here and there, but I didn't get much game time under Peter. And obviously, like, you know, that was really disappointing, you know, the that was in us. Uh, you know, every player wants to play. And, like, to be fair, he's an honest man. He He wouldn't turn around and say, um, you know, oh, I, I know I didn't play the other day, but I'll play you next week. You know, I promise. I'll, you know, you're doing, you're doing well. You're doing, you're flying. You know, and he wouldn't tell you that. He'd tell you straight up how it is. Um, and throughout, you know, a couple of training camps, you know, a couple of weekends, and one of the training camps we had one-on-one sessions, and he said, "Listen, Laura, you're, I was well, I was was a wing back. He turned me into a corner forward, and he said, "You're fast." And all of that, but you're not fit enough, and that's basically why you're not you're not playing. And like, so I mean, I didn't really want to hear it because I was well, twenty five, twenty six. You, you you don't really want to be told you're not you're not this and you're not mm-hmm. that. But suppose you know it it was honest. Like I wasn't as fit as other girls, and if that was what he was looking for, 
well, sure, what could I say? You know, I, and I still stuck it out and I still tried my best, tried to get on that team. I, I never really did. Um, I came on in maybe one or two of the championship games, but uh, in terms of semi-final and final, I didn't see much. But, um, you know, like, it is what it is. He told it how it was. Um, and, uh, you know, I couldn't say he didn't let me know or I didn't know what was expected of me. Yeah, so I suppose personally, as a player, you weren't happy, obviously, because you didn't get the... You didn't get on the team, but you could mm-hmm. probably see what he was doing for the group as a whole and appreciate that. Yeah, exactly. Like, and I mean, and, and I mean, everyone had these one-on-one sessions, and it wasn't just me who didn't get in either. You know, there was plenty there. But you know, even though there was loads, you know, not getting game time, we we all stuck it out. You know, there was never a case of uh, not wanting to be there, not wanting to be part of it, because he just he made you want to play for him he made you want to you know get better and get into his team he just brought that I don't know what it, it, I don't know if, if you can teach it to someone or coach it to someone he just brought an energy with him that we all want to be in, a part of we all want to be involved in and uh, you know you could fault him for, for for his efforts for everything he did for us at that time and um, you know like even though I wasn't playing I really really wanted to be part of the team Yeah so how have you found the, the narrative then that seems to have come out off the back of obviously the Mayo ladies saga like people have now been saying there were mistakes on both sides you know like the obviously the ladies might have you know might have made a wrong move by taking things through the national press but people are now also trying to accept that maybe Peter isn't that good of a manager how, how have you found that? Um, well, like, I mean, I'm not sure myself. I, I don't know what's going on in Mayo. I don't, I'm, I'm sure those 12 girls, you know, they, they believe they have their grievances and that's fine. But there's a few, you know, there's a few articles about Peter, which I just picked up and I just read. I thought it was really unfair. You know, the 12 girls saying this, so therefore he has to be a bad manager. He's not really a good player, you know, man manager or whatever. You know, that's in my experience and our experience, it's not true. He's, and I think it was unfair to make that, yeah, that's that summary of him just by this one story. That, you know, he, he is a very good manager. I mean, for us, like we, we won in All Ireland coming from nowhere. I mean, you just don't win in All Ireland without being a good, without having a good manager behind you. And uh, with the Mayo thing, I, I, again, I don't know what's going on. I'm everyone has their grievances but I can only say from from our point of view from Westmead's point of view that uh, I think it was unfair and Peter you know Peter has done his did his a massive part for us so and he's been called authoritarian um, in charge of a group and he's been called intimidating in these one on one meetings have you have you experienced any of that now I know you're only one player in one team but have you experienced any of that in your two years under him if, if anything, Peter is, to me, was the opposite of authoritative because, you know, with a, maybe four managers, especially, you know, going back a few years at inter-county teams, you know, it might have been a bit of a dictatorship, you know, maybe one manager come in and, you know, you would, you'd have maybe one or two selectors, that'd be all. But with Peter, he brought in he'd, his selectors, he brought in a team around him and, you know, he delegated out things to his selection to his team and if anything you know it was the least authoritarian regime we had so we was the manager obviously and he Dalla Mangan there as well and a few others um, but 
you know, like, you know, authoritarian is definitely not a word that I could say that associates with Peter. Yeah. And like, what about these fitness sessions, these infamous fitness sessions that we've heard about? I mean, I take it that you were in pretty good shape to go from a junior relegation playoff to win an intermediate All-Ireland? Yeah, like, um, as I was saying, we used to train a good bit in Harbour Field and we used to train in the rugby club there in Mullingar and, you know, we just knew, and we knew the sessions that were coming up and you just absolutely dread them. You'd, you'd be crying going out in the cars. I mean, you knew they were just going to be so, so tough. Me especially not being that fit. Well, you know, like for for future standards anyway. And uh, you, when you get out of the car, it was going to be just so hard, so tough. But to be fair, you know, you, you just don't get, you don't get anywhere without doing this hard work. Like, we knew it had to be done. And um, he let go. Uh, he pushed us and pushed us as hard as he could. And, to this day, I still haven't trained as hard um, under anybody. You know, he's like, I heard uh, one of the Mayo girls saying, like, you know, the same thing. They were so, so tough, the tra- training sessions, you know, and kind of a wry smile. And that's how we'd feel as well. You'd just be shaking your head going, to how are we going to be able to do this at all? But uh, yeah, they were infamous, all right. But um, you, you don't, we wouldn't have won anything without without them. And like, I suppose on the whole, would you have said like it's it's? I just think it's interesting, yeah, coming from your point of view, where as you said, you weren't happy that you were on the bench for those big games. But would you look back and consider Peter Leahy as one of your better managers? He probably has to go down as our best manager, like uh, because of where we came from and where we went to. You know, we're Division Four team, struggling, struggling at intermediate, never getting out of the group. Uh, being constantly beaten even in the Leinster intermediate and now because of because of what happened in 2011 this is why like Westmead are now in Division 1 they're challenging for uh, they're in the Leinster final against Dublin every year and I know Dublin are you know they're kind of head and shoulders against above everyone else at the minute but you know they're they're there and all those strides were made because of 2011 you know girls wanting to play football Attitudes been changing the county to the ladies team. All that stemmed from him and stemmed from what we did that year, you know. And uh, I know it's eight years ago, and you know things have changed in terms of intercounty ladies football. When eight years is a long time, but um, I think now it's. I mean, you go out and it's everything that Peter brought in there. You know, it now has to be done with Westmead. You know, it's he laid down a foundation and it's just been built on it. So you raise the standards all over. Laura, thanks very much for your time. That's great. All right, Conan. No problem. All right, that's all we have time for. We'll see you back here on Thursday. Thanks to Paddy Power, the sponsors. See you later. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other and... Uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas, he gets such a shell shock next Saturday evening that we put him back in their houses for ten years. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com.